0: Growing up in a predominantly white community, she understood her uniqueness at an early age. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, you'll meet Kristen Diaz, a Latina millennial who is a proud first-generation Cuban-American and third-generation Tejana. Even though Kristen grew up around radio and television stations, she never dreamed that she would actually work in the industry. Sometimes you don't pick the job, the job picks you. That being the case, Kristen considers herself blessed to be working for the past 15 years in an industry that she loves. Embracing her culture and roots, Kristen has made Being Latina her superpower. She advocates for the Latino community and other people of color. She makes sure their voices are heard and their faces are seen. Kristen Diaz is always representing. She is an award-winning news anchor and reporter. She's smart, determined, and she knows how to overcome corporate obstacles. Not all superheroes wear a cape. Some use a microphone. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. Hola amigos and welcome to another episode of the Latino Business Report today we have with us Kristen Diaz Kristen actually is in the media and we're not talking about social media but she is there but she's in what I consider being old like I am the real media like television radio a uh, newspaper things like where you used to get your news before seeing it online but Kristen is actually a co-anchor over at news radio 1080 krld in Dallas Kristen how are you doing today
1: Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Super excited no, to no, speak with it,
0: you. <laughs> it, I'm excited to have you on the show. You've had me on your show a couple of times. So I thought yes. I'd reciprocate and have you on mine. So. I
1: know. I was so excited when you when you were telling me uh, um, uh, about your podcast. And I've been listening to it and it's great. And I'm just so honored to now be a guest.
0: Wait, you actually been listening to it?
1: Yes, I have been. And I love it. I think you've had some really great uh, guests in the past. And I've learned a lot, too. And I think wow. you and I are both very... Newsies and loved a you know sponge of information and we just uh, really love you know hearing from other people who are just experts in their field and so I've really enjoyed your podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much. So between you and my mother, I think my analytics and my numbers are now take another (laughs) jump. So so thank you for listening. But anyway, no, seriously, one of the reasons I had you on the show is um, you know I follow you on Facebook, I follow you on um, Instagram. I mean, in my days they used to call it stalking, okay, but now it's (laughs) following. So I do follow. And uh, you. I, I found it very interesting. I mean, you're, you're a great person, a personality, not only on the radio, but off the radio. And uh, But I understand you've actually been in the news business for a while and you kind of grew up in the industry. But before we get into that, I want to, for edification of our listeners, you're an interesting personality. Not only are you a millennial, you're Latina. <laughs> you're what I consider the face of the new the next generation to actually take over things. But your dad is Cubano, your mom, Mexicana. What a combination. Tell me about that. Tell me about that experience.
1: Tejana. Yes, my mom is Tejana. She um, is from a small town outside of Houston, the Berkshire area. Shout out to Berkshire and all my family that's now in Katy. And my dad is from Regla, Cuba and uh, moved here when he was nine with my abuela and my my two uncles. And, um, yeah, it's made for a very fun, uh, household, always something going on, (laughs) lots of family and lots of really good food, right. A mixture of both, uh, Cuban food and Mexican, Mexican American food. So.
0: So which did you learn first, Spanish or English?
1: You know, I think I always learned both at the same time, a duality. Um, and I think that's what's so unique about my generation uh, being uh, first generation Cuban American and third generation Mexican American, um, otherwise Tejana, um, was that both languages were always spoken at at the same time. So my parents always spoke English to me, um, but I was always around my abuelas from both sides who lived with us actually at my house when I was 10 years old and they both spoke Spanish. So I would only speak Spanish to them.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us growing up. Yeah. So you're actually I mean, I, I, first of all, congratulations on the job that you do over there at um, the station. Thank you. So Carol um, Carol uh, KRLD. It's, uh, it's AM station, right?
1: It is an AM station. And, uh, you know, now because of amazing technology, we actually also are on HD2. So one oh five three, the fan is our sister station and we are on their HD2 uh, signal. So pretty cool.
0: Now, you're actually, for a lot of folks that may not be right, you're actually, during in afternoon drive time. I mean, you're from three to seven, which is a premium slot for, you know, I mean, in, in the radio world, morning drive, afternoon drive, premium slot. So you're actually the, a co-anchor, drive time, and you have, what, 36 37,000 people that listen to you per week?
1: 360,000, 300, yeah. I'm sorry, okay,
0: <laughs> I stand corrected. Let me add a zero. 360,000 people, and that's just on... The airways, and then you got your 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 online and your, your digital stream and everything going on. Yeah. So that, that's amazing. You So you go into a lot of people's automobiles, into their earbuds, and a lot of people hear what you're doing. So let me ask you this. As a reporter, mm-hmm. do you ever feel the pressure to make sure that you're reporting correctly? I mean, this is a crazy world right now. Oh, yeah. All the time. Full of, full of fake news and you don't know what's really. I mean, what what steps do you take to ensure that what you're putting on the air is accurate and correct?
1: Yeah. thousand percent. You know, I get this question a lot because, you know, I'm in the business of public safety. Right. People listen to local news to hear what's going on. And there are school systems. Make sure that the traffic is cleared, make sure that there's you know, that they are, um, they are taken care of, right? You know, their family is taken care of, that they know what's going on to to take care of their family to the best of their ability. And that, I that's what I really like to stress about local news versus cable news or things that you see on social media. That's what makes us unique, right? We're right there on the day to day. And so to be able to report accurately, obviously, is a huge number one principle for us. But we are in an age where Um, you almost have to be skeptical about whatever comes across your, uh, timeline, whatever comes across your desk as a, you know, um, an email or whatnot. So, you know, thankfully I have a team of veterans that are you know, here in the Metroplex, a part of my, my station that are very, very grounded in the community and know different agencies, know the who's who's and me as the newbie, you know, I've been, um, and I say newbie loosely, right. Because I joined this team during the pandemic. Um, I'm, you know, still learning, uh, the names of who the, you know, public officers are public information officers for certain organizations, but We talk to them to basically make sure that everything is accurate as possible. But sometimes we see stuff on the news that, you know, listeners send in to us. Actually, just yesterday, there was something on Facebook. Somebody was trying to send out news about a a serial killer, and it was fake. You know, but wow. through our, you know, diligent reporting and checking with different, you know, with the police Verifying officers. Yes. Different sources. Because we know to do that, and that is instinctual for you know, for us. It We were able to actually make the report that, hey, if you see this come across your timeline, this is fake. But it's wild, right? We never had to do that 10, 15 years ago because social media wasn't as big as it is now. So, yeah, we're constantly combating, you know, fake news.
0: Now, a newbie over there at that station. You actually, <laughs> you've actually been in the business for about 15 years now?
1: That is correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I got a great start at CW33 here in Dallas when I was 18 years old and I was working in production, working the cameras and you know checking mics and rolling teleprompter and uh, was able to make my way up in front of the screen just a few le- years later.
0: Okay. Well, if you don't mind, because pre-show we were talking and you said that they used to call you Diaz all through high school and everything.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> You're known
0: as Diaz. Okay, Diaz. So did you how did you get into this? Is this something you studied for? Is this something that you wanted to do? And if so, why?
1: You know, it's funny because um I grew up around it uh since I was a little girl and I I grew up around it since I was a little girl and um I never I never dreamed about it. It's really funny. So my mother actually was in television and radio. She was in broadcast, um, okay. but she was always in media and also in management. So what did, your mother,
0: what did your mother manage? Or
1: who, who, most recently, she retired as the GM and vice president of Univision 23, Canal 23 here in Dallas. So Univision Channel 23 um, and Telefutura which she um, started since inception here in in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, And she was their GM VP for 19 years. And prior to that, she was down in the Houston area as the GM for Super Tejano 108 um, FM. And uh, some of my earlier, earlier, earlier memories were before that. She was uh, in sales for Telemundo, so I- I've always been around television. And you grew radio up in it. You grew yes. up in the industry. <laughs> but let me tell you, it was not my dream. I mean, I you know you're going to work with your mom, you know, and and you go into this. You're not allowed to play in the studio, and it would be like an ice box in there. There was nothing really appealing to me <laughs> at the time as a kid. I actually uh, grew up. I'm um, going to a ballet academy as since I was four years old, I've been in uh, dance, all kinds of dance, but primarily ballet. And um, when we moved to Dallas, Fort Worth, I joined okay. a pre-professional. Ballet? ballet? Yes, ballet, like, right? Like,
0: like, can you stand <laughs> on your toes? And-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, not not typically an art form here in the U.S. that you see a lot of Latinos in. Uh, when you go abroad, that's different. But here, um, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be in a pre-professional ballet company. And Mira, that was my wow. dream. I wanted to be a professional dancer.
0: A semi-pro ballerina, huh?
1: <laughs> Long time ago. Long my time. knees will tell you differently now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I was look, I was looking over. So you actually were abroad in what... In, in England, doing a doing um, foreign student work at one time a year in school?
1: Yeah, so fast forward, um, once I realized that uh, a prof- professional dance career was not going to be for me, um, I uh, I actually started studying radio, TV, and film in college. And again, fast forward to my junior or senior year, I believe it was, the program that I was a part of, our department offered a study abroad program in London, Through the University of London, we were able to go and learn about British media, which was really cool. Um, I got to stay with a host family, and I was there for a little over six weeks and um, just really got to be immersed in um, the culture there in the UK. It was really fun.
0: So let's fast forward and let's bring it to day. Now, I got to admit, I listen to actually, I don't even live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I, I go online and I listen to your show. Um, you do a good job. I really enjoyed, it. And you're full of news and information as well, not only from the news standpoint, but also I, I like following you on Facebook. You come up with some interesting stuff like the giant molcajete the other yeah. day that you posted. <laughs> I reposted that and took credit for it, of course. But thank you for thank you for posting that. For sure. But, but um, you've been in an industry that is one primarily unless it's unless it's, you know, the Telemundo or one of those. It's not necessarily there's not a lot of Hispanics in the media. But you have managed to kind of navigate those and primarily looking at your resume. You were in Corpus Christi, you are in Dallas and moving around. But you were in an environment that was pretty much surrounded by non-Hispanics, a lot of whites, and you navigated that. One of the things that really convinced me to ask you on the show is I was watching an interview and what you said, that being Latina was your superpower. Yeah. Explain that to us. And let's talk about a little bit about that navigating that corporate world and moving your way up to a to a prime, you know, afternoon drive time slot.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I'm absolutely blessed. And I'm so thankful for the generation of journalists before me who worked really hard to make an opportunity for my generation and the Gen Zers and the Gen Xers um, after me to be able to make a way into local newsrooms. Um, I think it was. <laughs> I know there's no thinking. I know it was way harder for the generations before me to um, make it um, important to everyone that um, our voices were heard and that our 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 faces were seen um, in local news. And so I do give a lot of credit to that. I think as a millennial, I'm stretching between the traditional. As you mentioned, traditional news and up and coming social media and all this wildness that we're seeing now with um, the platforms to give to give news and the creative ways to give news. So I'm kind of stretching between the two. Um, But being able to be in the position that I am here in news radio, I actually was talking with my VP of news just yesterday about this casually just man, we have. You know, a Latina myself in the afternoon. And I also have a co-worker of mine, Susie Solis. She is a powerhouse Latina in the mornings Um to have two Latinas in Man. such great time zones on the air, um, I think is is lovely and wonderful and amazing for my so station. You're, and you're,
0: you're like bookends and you got Latina <laughs> in the morning, Latina in the yes, afternoon.
1: Yes. You know, and, let you know, and let's get some men, some Latinos, you know, it's great that we have, you know, two Hispanic females, but let's get some men on the air as well. And, you know, let's get some more people in digital and in management positions. There's so many more opportunities. Um, but again, I think it's just uh, it, my generation is starting to see uh, the fruits of labor of the generations before me.
0: Well, you're definitely a, I wouldn't say a pioneer, But you're definitely in the forefront of the vanguard of a lot of this movement, that the Hispanic population continues to grow and will continue to grow. I'm just seeing that a lot of the media corporate giants are recognizing the fact that they need more Latino, Latinas on air. Absolutely. In a sense, I mean, you are a role model. We continue
1: to pass the torch. And I and I and I really. I'm an advocate for that. Anything that I can do to help anyone else, you know, who's coming up into the ranks and wanting to learn, you know, you know how I did it, and maybe they can take a couple of, you know, um, seeds from that and make their own journey. You know, everyone's journey is unique. And when I talked about going back to your other question, uh, superpower, being Latina, I think that was a lot of um, self exploration. Uh, growing up in communities that were predominantly white. Um, or non-Hispanic as I got into my high school years, I realized my uniqueness, right? Being able to speak both languages, being able to um, enjoy different types of music and understand the culture behind it, um, being able to relate to different communities. So when I actually was in high school, I had a lot of different um, friends. It's funny, we call ourselves the United Nations <laughs> <laughs> because I've got best friends that are First generation uh, Pakistani, first generation uh, Iranian, first generation from from Nicaragua. You know, so I, you know, have friends that are from different. Uh, their families were all from different countries, but our principles were all the same. You know, come to America, work hard, get an education. You know what I mean? And I think that was just like, okay, great. You know, this is super cool. And the
0: the pursuit of the American dream
1: a thousand percent. And that's, that's the superpower, right? As, as having those values, um, and coming here to America, I'm like, wow, you know what? I'm here to excel. I'm here with, uh, the power behind me of my ancestors, my culture, my, to make my mark here, um, as much as I can.
0: Would you consider part of your superpower, as many people do have this superpower, that being able to move from one culture to another seamlessly, whether it be, you know, Anglo and English or whether to just slide into the Latino, you know, Mexican culture? I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I'm sure you find yourselves, you find yourself sometimes talking, you switch languages and don't even realize it. But so it's... I-
1: yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I have, so I have also a lot of black friends and they, we talk about this sometimes and they, they call it code switching, you know, being able to switch from one thing to another, um, depending on what room you're in. Sometimes that can have a negative connotation because you feel like you have to fit in and, and suppress your uniqueness as a Latino, you know, or as any other culture when you're in an Anglo-centric world sometimes. But um, I think it is a superpower that we can not only um, do that in different settings, but we can do that within Latinos. So I have friends that are from Mexico, right? And I have friends that are from texas and they are Tejanos, you know and it's not the same right you know and i think definitely not the same we are not a monolith right we say that all the time but when um you can be you can relate on certain levels um i think that's a beautiful thing
0: and what did uh, edward james almost say in the movie selena you, the uh...
1: <laughs> you got to be more mexican than mexican more american than american
0: there it's you exhausting go. <laughs> do, you, do you ever feel like that do you ever feel like you're going through that
1: As a kid, I was overwhelmed by that. I remember moving uh, from the Houston area where I'm originally from and at five, six years old, coming to the DFW Metroplex and specifically Coppell. And there were no other Latinos uh, (laughs) in my grade that I remember, maybe one or two in a different class or something like that. But I remember second grade, um... We had to do uh, like dress up as a, a character or whatnot and write a paper about them or something like that. And I remember I did my project on Selena. I was a huge Selena fan as a kid. And I remember. Okay, what
0: what what young Latina girl wasn't.
1: Wasn't. Right. I 100%. mean, even guys. But
0: I mean, if you're a little Absolutely. girl, you're like, I mean, Selena, you're idle.
1: And that doesn't seem outrageous, right? It seems perfectly normal for us Latinos. <laughs> now,
0: what's not per- what's not perfectly normal. She's still releasing new se- new albums. But that's another story. Who that's another story. Another story?
1: <laughs> but I dressed up as Selena. I had like this tube top, sparkly tube top. It was not a bustier. OK, I was like okay. seven. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> but not it was a, a tube top and black pants. And I and all of the kids looked at me like, who are you supposed to be? And I was like, I'm so
0: you were devastated. What? You can't tell.
1: Yes. I thought I had the best <laughs> outfit. I had like the matching <laughs> hat and everything. And they laughed at me and they were like, it's so weird. And like when I try to play her music, you know, they didn't understand the music. The year, like the year after that, I think it was like 97, 98 when her movie came out. Mm hmm. It exploded. And then everybody all of a sudden knew Selena. Then they got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they, but I never got credit for being the cool kid to bring it to the first.
0: Okay. So what, you, what I'm hearing, Diaz, is you were the trendsetter in your school.
1: You know what I'm saying? And no, you were cool before Latinas it was supposed who to be cool. You were the cool. you It was
0: the Latinas I mean? were the trendsetters. You were cool before it was even cool. Okay. But, oh, my yeah. goodness. But, yeah, Selena- you, you
1: know, you, you get to the point where sometimes you're like, you're trying to de- decipher from the two of, man, should do I should I feel embarrassed for for representing my culture or no, you shouldn't. It's your superpower, you know, when but I had kid, to learn that. I was when a you're a kid,
0: it's tough. Yeah, I, I recognize that it, it is tough, but um you need to embrace it. I mean, it's not going to change. I tell yeah. you, people aren't going to look at you there. I mean, obviously looking at you, you can tell you're Latina. I mean, not, you can't pass for anything else, <laughs> but, you know, embrace it, be it, live it, represent. Yeah. I mean, that's that's and that's learn
1: the thing. because being Latino means so many different things. Yes. Each and, not, Latino.
0: and not only learn, but teach, Yeah, teach others about the culture, about, about the language, about the differences. There are differences, but at the end of the day, there's so many things we have in common and that's what we need to build on is the commonality <laughs> instead of always pointing out the differences.
1: Yeah.
0: In the industry, I'm sure you've had some various, you've had a lot of success, but what are some of the most frustrating things that you've experienced? I mean, did you ever want to just quit? I mean, you've been in for 15 years. I mean, that's a good little run, especially for a millennial that likes changing jobs every other week. But, (laughs) but so you've been in the industry for a while. Did you ever want to quit?
1: Did I ever want to quit? No, I actually had the opposite problem. I couldn't tell myself to stop. I had, um, I think the bug in me that was too much of the yes man, trying to prove myself, prove myself, prove myself. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll learn that. Yeah, I'll volunteer for this. Yes, I'll. And I was burning myself out, and um, and so I think that it was it was quite the opposite. Having having to tell myself slow down.
0: Who are you trying to prove yourself to?
1: You know, I think it was. Not letting my my family down because, you know, they had very high expectations on my like, okay. success, you know. And your family,
0: uh, I understand, calls you what, Christy?
1: Christy, yes. Christy, <laughs> remember <Christi. laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, and it was, I think, when you are first generation from whatever culture, you know, I think there's such high expectations that you are the golden era. You are, you are the next generation to truly make it and not have you're not allowed to have any obstacles because the generation before you is the one that had obstacles. You're supposed to be the one that's set for life and supposed to skyrocket to the moon. So I think it was really difficult for me to um, slow down because then I thought that I wasn't giving it my all and I was disappointing you know, my, my family. Um, and, and that's, that's real, you know, unfortunately, um, we're also in a business right now where burnout is really a problem. And there are a lot of young multimedia journalists who are coming into this business with the fire in their belly. And it's quickly being put out because low resources, low, low pay, um or just being stretched thin because of all of the responsibilities they now have.
0: And it's an, and it's actually work. I mean it's just not being on air or being a talent and seeing all the oh, I mean, yeah. there is a yeah. lot of behind the scenes work and I preparation, tell that all editing. The time.
1: Yeah, if you, if you think that being in television is all glitz and glam and it's you, you know, wearing a pretty dress and putting on makeup, you know, to be in front of the camera, you have got it all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like You've got it all wrong. That's
0: maybe like 10% that- of the job is uh, yeah, that much, yeah. I mean –
1: yeah. And it's a pain in the butt because everybody thinks, oh, you do your you have somebody who does your hair and makeup, right? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm trying to do that five minutes before I go on the air for this, you know, story that I've been working on all day and finally got, you know, soundbite for 15 minutes before showtime. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people don't understand uh, the hard work that goes behind it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the pressure is, you know, for me, it was um. Doing too much. And honestly, I, I felt that in my body these past two years. Um, I've had a lot of folks from, speci- specifically from South Texas, where I spent a lot of my career. Um, they ask me every day. I mean, JR, there's not a day that goes by. I don't get a DM or a comment, somebody reaching out saying, when are you going to come back on television? We miss you. Come back to Corpus, you know, or whatever the case may be. And that connection, I, I, cherish more than anything you know because this is a very cutthroat business you're here today gone tomorrow yeah. people don't ask about it they just keep on moving you know when I left it's like you know the amount of love that I've received and it's almost moving into three years I've been gone is just it's something that I don't take for granted for sure
0: you want to give a little shout out to the station you were with back there who who what station were you with in, in Corpus?
1: I was at the ABC affiliate K I, and definitely a shout out to everyone who is still there and uh, that I worked alongside over the years. I had an amazing team that I worked with and I learned a lot from my co-anchor, uh, my, my weather anchor that I worked along with. They were just two smart gentlemen um, that just really showed me a lot. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't be more grateful for the time that I was there.
0: All right, all right, Diaz. I got a question for you. Okay, you were on, you were on TV, then you went to radio. Yeah, why? It, it, it seems almost opposite. It Seems like people from radio would want to get on television. You just went from one medium to another, which mm, to me it doesn't seem. It almost seems counterintuitive. Why? Why? Why the switch?
1: Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, to you know, you might see that as that as that way, but I, it's always been on my bucket list. I actually started at KNTU 88.1 Jazz Station here in Denton, Texas. And I worked on their evening newscast called The Late Edition. So when I started there, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I really loved the, you know, the art of, of audio and, and broadcasting. And it was, it was after that, that I started going into television. Uh, I remember they actually, at my school, we used to have a, uh, excuse me, we used to have a, a television station there on campus that broadcast into the Denton community. And, uh, they were kind of like, come on over here. And so that was over at, it that was, was over a,
0: North Texas, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so it was on my bucket list to one day do, you know, be on the radio professionally and not just as a student. Second, um, it wasn't in my plans. I, I, you know, I was coming down to the end of the road in my station down in Corpus Christi and I was looking for another start I was really in a space, JR, where I knew that I was burnt out, but I was in such denial that I just gave it to God. You know, I just gave it to God and just said, Lord, where do you want me to be? And when I tell you, I applied literally from Alaska to Hawaii. You know, I didn't know where I was going to land. I didn't have like my next my next place is going to be here. To me, I was just open. I was like, God, just place me where you want me to be. And when the position at KRLD opened up, I wasn't, radio wasn't even on my radar. But when I tell you something spurred in my spirit when I saw it, I grew up here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. I grew up listening to News Radio ten eighty K R L D. As you know, I remember as a kid writing in the car, I'm like, ah, Oh, do we have to okay. listen to this station? Can't we just put it on like you know, like Britney Spears or something? <laughs> you Are know, you- I wanted I wanted, you know, um, I didn't want to listen to it as a kid. I remember but So I remember you were you were more. actually
0: young listening to AM?
1: Yes, not me out of my choice. This was the adults okay. around me. Get, <laughs> the okay, adults around it. me would listen to it, and I would be in the back seat complaining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then, Very then full he, circle. <laughs> then you got old, like, old guys like me. When AM was all that was out there, FM was was the new thing. The new thing in those days. Oh so, yeah, okay. but I
1: remember listening to it, and and uh, when I saw the position open, I said. That's Why it. Not? That's okay. the one, and I applied, and it brought me back home. Full circle. Um, well, brought not me full back circle. home to the Dallas Fort Worth area, and I joined the team right before the pandemic started. And I also count that as a blessing because my parents are still here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, and um, to be able to be close to them during the beginning of the pandemic, where at the time we didn't know what was going to happen, um, that was huge.
0: Well, it's been an amazing career. And just let me—hopefully, none of your producers or people, your bosses at the station, are listening. But what's next for you?
1: <laughs> you know, the sky is the limit. You know, I'm—I'm I'm very deep in my faith, and I thank that to my parents for always teaching me to trust God uh, with my life. And um, you know, TV, radio, check. Check, <laughs> we're doing podcast.
0: Podcast check. check.
1: <laughs> um, what's next? Hollywood.
0: <laughs> Here we come. Here we gonna, go. Are you? Are you gonna you put know. on that Sedlena outfit again?
1: <laughs> I know, right? Here we go. I um, I just I pray to God that He put places me wherever I need to be and somewhere that I can continue to grow, continue to be a representative of my community, um, and. Uh, An advocate for my community, you know, whether that be in local news or, you know, streaming is huge now. Yeah, and I think that's is. exciting. There's so many new shows. I mean, there was not shows like this, you know, 10 years ago, you know. So there's been so much explosion and potential for um people like myself to dabble in that I'd be happy just to be challenged to get, some, you know, get somewhere else that's going to elevate me closer to what my purpose here, is here.
0: There you go. And I definitely share your passion for audio. Um as my dad used to tell me, mijo, you have a face for radio. Thanks.
1: <laughs> hey, let me tell you, my my team at KRLD is amazing. I mean, m- moving from TV to radio, it's been um it, it's been such an eye opener, uh just and I'm such a small little minnow, right? And I have a big pond. I mean, my co-anchors have been on the air 20, 30 years. And just to be alongside them is such a blessing. It's so cool. Um, and they're so humble and so willing to help. And they're just good at what they do. And it's, you know, you never, like I say, you never want to be the smartest person in the room, you know? And I love that I'm not, you know, because I have mm. really great people to learn from.
0: Yeah. Like they, my dad used to say, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So if you're mm-hmm. surrounded by a good team, you are going to excel whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, my first year there, we got the National Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast and Best Breaking News. So two see, what you, see, what, see what you did for them?
0: You joined the team and then you win. <laughs>
1: That's what they needed, the superpower, right? Okay.
0: definitely. Get a Latina on the team and watch stuff happen. All right. Now, I know a lot of what you do is live. And before we go, I just have to ask, what is one of the most embarrassing moments you've
1: had? There are too too many to count, JR. Like, I literally should write a book that says I made a mistake and everybody saw me (laughs) and everybody knows. (laughs) Because when you are in broadcast, it is a very humbling business. Because when we make a mistake, we mispronounce something or we say something stupid or, you know, a joke that falls flat. You know what I mean? Like everyone knows, all your audience knows, you know what I mean? All three
0: hundred and sixty thousand plus, right?
1: Yeah. And oh my gosh, when I was in television one time, and you can find this on YouTube. And this is this is this is not a funny story, but this was something that happened to me that I was like, I really had to keep my composure. We were starting the five AM newscast live on the air. We had just introduced ourselves, about to go into the weather forecast, because I was a weather anchor at the time, and a house exploded like three blocks away from our our TV station. Now, wow. our TV station in Corpus was also a couple of miles away from like three exits away from the Naval Air Station down in Corpus Christi. So, from within the studio which has no windows, we thought there was like a plane you know had crashed because the whole building shook. The lights were swinging, our papers had shuffled off the of the desk. I mean, we were scared. Out of our minds. We didn't know what the heck happened. And all of a sudden, like a couple seconds later, all of our scanners, you know, our police scanners and whatnot, they started going nuts. I mean, we heard every whistle and chime and beep and call out and code that you would never heard before all at the same time. But we didn't know what was going on. And um, that was caught live on the air. We became the news the day after that. I think it happened like on a Thursday or Friday (laughs) and on like on the weekend, like Fox and Friends had us on, you know, like our video. Our video was everywhere. You know, you became the news. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then as as a Latina, I think one time is funny is that um, we were talking about cicadas. And this is when I talk about being a Latina and the shows is that we were, we were, we were pitching to our, our reporter and she was out in the field doing something, but it was summertime and the cicadas were so loud that we could barely hear her speak. And so when we came back on camera, my co-banker and I are talking about it and he was like, Oh, I was like, wow, those are the, I could not think of the word cicada because in my mind, they're, chicharras and i was so stuck on calling them chicharra and i was like you know i'm telling i'm telling you know like you know that a chicharra and he was like what's a (laughs) chicharra my white poor white co anchor he's like i have no idea what you're i'm like you know that's the woman is losing it on the air she's losing it. it <laughs> and I remember a lot of people called me in and started laughing. All they're like, right. "We knew what you were talking about." You know, you're in South all Texas. You know, I got all my people that we represent. But Our yeah, people at the what time I was so are, okay. embarrassed that I was like, "Oh, a cicada! <laughs> yeah, that's what they're called." Oh God! <laughs> I'll never well, forget cri- that one.
0: Well, Kristen, or should I say Christy? Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's it's really been a pleasure having you here. And I, nice. I I do encourage folks. They can find you on Facebook. They can yeah. find you on Instagram and definitely go online and listen to, uh, news radio 1080 KRLD from uh, three to seven. Yeah. Check out the show. I think you'll find it enjoyable and nothing else. You know that the news that you are getting is actually real news and not fake news presented by a team over there that's led by a Latina with her superpowers. <laughs> Folks, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is Jr. Gonzalez. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and visit our website, latinobusinessreport.com. We have a lot of new exciting guests coming up. All right, folks, till then, and we'll see you next time. And Diaz, thank you once again for being on the show.
1: Muchas gracias. Thank you so much.